Welcome to the Lucky Titan Podcast. Here you will learn how to fill your favorite platform with tons of your dream customers from some of the world's top entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Josh Tapp. Now let's get started. What is up, everybody? Josh Tapp here again, and welcome back to the Lucky Titan. And today we're here with Samson Jagoras. Super excited to have this guy here. I mean, he has such an incredible backstory of how he got to where he is today, growing a company from $7 million to $100 million in revenue, taking, what was it, 30 employees to 600 employees. I mean, it's just crazy. He's done a lot in scaling companies, but then he's gone on to create a very successful investment company as well in the real estate space. So we're here to talk today uh, with Samson about that and really how to take what the wealthy are doing, apply it in your life so you can actually scale and grow. So Samson, say what's up and then we'll hop in, man. What is going on, man? I am pumped to be here on the Lucky Titan. Thanks yeah. for having me. It's a long time coming. Yeah, so we're good to be here. I'm glad we, we got past all the roadblocks so we can make this interview happen. <laughs> um, so let me ask you this, man, just to kind of kick it off because you really intrigued me with your response to this question. So what is it that the wealthy are doing that those of us who are not are not doing? Yeah. So the number one thing that wealthy people do that most investors don't do is they surround themselves with other incredibly smart people. And they are very good at one thing, critically analyzing an investment. They are not trying to be real estate experts, stock experts, cryptocurrency experts, um, restaurateurs, right? They know what their lane is and that's how they became very, very wealthy, right? But what they do is they critically analyze deals and they regularly and often deploy capital with other really smart people. And so we, we, we hit on that, right? If, if I want to go buy a business, man, I know a lot about business, but I'm sure I have some blind spots. So I'm going to call you, Josh. And if you want to go buy an apartment complex, you're probably going to call me, right? And so that the... The wealthy people are just good at that because at a certain point you make so much money that it's nearly impossible to effectively deploy it all. And it's, it's about taking your money and putting it, work for, putting it to work for you so that you don't have to. Right. Is it, and I love that response because everybody's like, oh, you could go hang around wealthy people. We all know that, right? But you're saying the reason you hang around them is to pay attention to the one thing that they do, which is, like you said, they just know how to analyze an investment. And that's, you know, we've, we've been in the process of acquiring another company right now. And I've realized how critically important that is because you get so emotionally attached to these companies you want to buy after analyzing them and everything. But sometimes you have to step back and look at it and say, I love the company. I love the people. It's not a good investment. And yep. I think that's the number one skill of an investor is knowing when to say no. So yep. let, let me ask you this, Samson, just to kind of get an in-depth response to this one is, is really what what do they need to know about invest an investment to know that it's worth investing in, in your opinion? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, we, we have a framework that we use, right? So who are the people that are ultimately involved? Obviously if you're buying a business or you're investing uh, with a, a sponsorship group in a real estate investment, you want to understand who the players are, who the sponsorship team is ultimately going to be. And then you want to own the details, at least in my world, in the world of real estate investing is, if there's a lot of times I talk to people and I say, Hey, why do you invest in that market? They can't tell me they can't that. Oh, well, the, the price is good. And, and, and it's affordable to buy apartments or whatever. I'm like, well, that's not a good cheap and good aren't necessarily congruent. You know what I mean? So own the details. Why do you want to be in a market? Cause it's really easy 
to get confirmation bias and um, and over over convince yourself that like, hey, this is a good deal because of X, Y, and Z. Fall in love, get too in love with it. You know what I mean? And then it's really important to know what the exit plan is going to be, right? And then what the risk and returns are going to be ultimately in that deal. And so if you if you have that framework and you follow that over and over and over again, you can I can use I can apply that to anything. I can apply that to a restaurant. I can apply that to a hotel or a club or you know whatever it may be. And then obviously there's some key metrics that as you become a more passive investor who's uh, deploying capital that you need to be aware of. You know internal rate of return, understanding what cap rate is, understanding what equity multiples are, and understanding how that actually plays into the business plan and the strategy that that they're going to deploy. There's a million ways to make a million bucks, you know, you just, you got to find the right people, understand the strategy and invest. And I love that. And what, what a cool thought process. I hope people will pay attention to that. Maybe even go re-listen re to that section. So you can think about, is this the way that I think, is this how I analyze a deal? So I, I want to ask you this, Samson, especially because this has become really your area of expertise is identifying in your specific case, um, multi-unit or multifamily complexes in order to, to buy them, Gain, gain big investments, get other people to back you in it um, yeah. so you can you can all grow. So like, can you walk me through a little bit of, of how you identify that with an apartment complex, especially? Yeah, so the, the market's a, a big key, right? So, you know, the I think over the last 10 years, you pretty much could have bought anything in real estate and, and been successful. Um, but it ultimately comes down to, you know, what's the population, right? So when you're buying large commercial multifamily, your customer right, is tenants, right? And so you need to be in a population where there's enough tenants for you to have customers to serve, right? Um, the second piece that you want to pay attention to is what's the population growth, right? What's the rate at which it's growing? Because it's, if it's not growing, it's, it's dying. So you're also going to look at the net migration. So it's pretty simple that if people are moving to somewhere, that they're moving there because there's jobs and because they move there, there's going to, going to be more jobs. And ultimately, Real estate is a microeconomic type of environment. Just because one market's doing terrible doesn't mean another one's doing terrible. During 2008, when the residential housing market was melting down, Loveland, Fort Collins, where I'm at in, in Colorado, was the strongest market in the entire country, right? Well, how's that possible, right? So then it comes down to employment growth and income growth, because those are going to be the things that ultimately determine whether or not you're going to be able to maintain your tenant base and whether or not they're going to be able to afford the rent increases over time. Once you kind of have that unlock and you know why you want to be in the market, everything else is just underwriting, having an understanding of what new inventory is coming on the market, what your nearest competitor is doing in that submarket, what are the schools like, what is the household income like? And am I going to be able to drive the income in order to improve the value? Because what changes in commercial multifamily or just commercial real estate in general is everything's built on the back of cap rate, the capitalization rate in that market. It's not based off a of price per square foot. So if I buy a property, I'm looking to be able to drive the rents and improve the operational efficiency, uh, not necessarily just sit and hold it and might pray to God that the, the price of the stuff is going to go up, which it will. You can't print you know $1.9 trillion and not expect if inflation to happen, but the most money is made when you operate. It's not necessarily when you buy. Yes, buying a good deal is important, but when you operate the heck out of that deal and you get it to operate more efficiently, man, you can create value out of nowhere. We walked an apartment complex last weekend in Oklahoma City. It's 288 units. And the property was run by a group who used to acquire apartment complexes. They had started getting distracted because they were doing more development. 
and their in-house property management team was not managing the property well at all. And with about you know $250,000 worth of investment into what, what is probably going to be about a $15 million acquisition, we'll be able to drive about $2.5 million worth of value by improving the net operating income, by just better managing the property. And that's the that's the special skill set of, of commercial multifamily and scale. And that's what we do, you know, in order to make a ton of money, basically create money out of nowhere, right? One, one man's inefficiency is another man's delta. Yes. And, and I love the, the thought process around that because you're, you're not betting on the real estate being, you know, you're not betting that, oh, it has to go up X amount of dollars in order for this to succeed. You're just saying, let's treat it like a business. Yep. Um, and and o- Operational my, efficiency. Right. It, my, my business brain goes wild with that because it's like, oh, well, if you can just treat it like a business, you know, and it, essentially it is. <laughs> that's what, yeah. That's what you're buying. You're buying a business, you know, and, and you're buying scale and, and every little change, you know, if I move the rent across 150 units, $75, and I divide that by the capitalization rate, that's how much value I created. Right. Love that. Well, and, and let me ask you this, because a lot of the people watching and listening to the show today are, you know, they're the type of people who they've already got a successful business, but they've been told all along, like, stay in your lane, right? Just keep building your business, keep focusing on your business. What would you, like, how, how would you help somebody like that to understand the value of, of investing in real estate? Because that's currently where I sit, right? I've always been told, just buy another business, keep growing business, because that's what you're good at, right? <laughs> right. I mean, it comes down to horizontal streams of income and diversification. You know, we live in a capitalist society. So the government relies on us to do two things, create jobs and supply housing to the market. So when you do those two things, you receive the maximum benefits within the tax code. Um, And, you know, within the tax code specifically, as it relates to real estate, you have some pretty special things like 1031 exchanges or opportunity zones which are ways to defer your capital gains and or never pay capital gains if you're talking about opportunity zones. Um, so it's a way to take all that great wealth and income that you're building and parlay it into something else. And what I know about a lot of founders and working with a, lo- a lot of other entrepreneurs is they're crushing it and all of a sudden they sell their business, they have a massive payday and then they have you know 10 million bucks that is not actually producing any income. And if you don't deploy that into things that create income for you, that'll quickly dwindle away. Now, most people are thinking like, oh, when I have that day that I sell something, then I'll do it. But you can get invested passively into large commercial multifamily, be a limited partner, get mailbox money for as little as like $50,000 in an investment. And you do that two, three times a year and you do that for 10 years. And all of a sudden you have a pretty nice, healthy income coming in every single day. It also, you know, what happens with these entrepreneurs is they get really successful in one business, they sell it. And then all of a sudden they think that that means that, oh, that because they made a ton of money in one industry, that that implies that they'll be good in this other industry and they can just hop into it. That's not necessarily true either, right? You you see it a lot with, I don't want to pick on doctors, but sometimes doctors are incredibly smart. They spend a ton of time going to school. They make great income. Then they think, well, I can just carry over that skill set into buying an apartment complex. Not necessarily, right? Um, horizontal streams of income to me are important because, you know, when we were scaling up as a part of a marketing and technology company for nine years, and there were a few times throughout that career when we had to adjust the pay. When you're on the executive leadership team and you're an equity holder, sometimes that means, you know, you're going to have to 
starve for a little bit, right? So there were times when we were first starting up that company where my pay got cut pretty significantly and it was really hard on my family. And so when we, it was probably like seven years ago, the very first time that that happened to me. And when that happened, I said, never again, I'm never going to be in a position where one business can take me down financially. So I just started going horizontal and, you know, 200 here, 300 there, 500 there, 5,000 here, 6,000 there. Now all of a sudden I have multiple streams of income from different real estate properties that I own. I also own a really sweet strength and conditioning facility and that creates income for me as well. And, uh, and then putting together deals is another way that I create income for myself as well. And then consulting and speaking and, and stuff like that. So yeah, it's just about going horizontal, not vertical and protecting your wealth because you work damn hard for it. And one day something's going to change. You may say that I'm going to work till I'm 60. Sure. But you get married, you have kids, you have grandkids, something happens to your health. Are you putting yourself and your family in a position to be okay, ultimately? Right. Yeah. And that's awesome. It's what I love about that too, is like you're saying that's, that's true diversification, right? Is you're not, you're not betting. I, I always get nervous about betting, especially in the business realm on one industry. Um, like the guy who constantly buys Facebook ads companies, right? You're like, that's, you're betting on a platform that could easily shut you down at any given time. Right. Um, I'm anyways, that's why I, I heavily believe in that is like diversify, but all within what you know. And so I love that you've done that with multiple different businesses. So, so talk me through a little bit here because you've, you've got a course that you've started uh, producing here for entrepreneurs really and helping them kind of work with this mentality and figure out how to make things very clear and straightforward for them. So can you walk us through what that is and what you're going to be doing there? Yeah. So people, people will generally go this route with real estate is they go, I want to own real estate. So they'll get, listen to the podcast, buy the books, go to the webinars, go to the courses and all that stuff. And then they realize, wow, I didn't realize I was going to have to start another business, which I don't have time for. I still feel like I don't have enough information or knowledge to actually execute at the highest level. And by myself, I feel like I don't have enough money to get the best deals. And so they hit this crossroads where they say, okay, I'll do real estate later. I'm just going to keep investing in traditional stuff, or I want to become a passive investor. Well, once you decide to become a passive investor, there's still a whole other learning curve that you have to go through. What is cap rate? What is internal rate of return? How does it relate to this deal? What, what is a good IRR? And what are the things within the pro forma or the deal that would actually tweak that number, right? Like, understanding all the levers that are being pulled and all the players that are a part of it is crucial to your confidence in executing in the deal. Now you don't have to be the expert. You don't have to manage the asset, but the human condition, we are, we are programmed when we are uncertain, we retreat, right? We do not do anything. So the whole point of this course is to just make you educated and sophisticated and give you a framework so that you can critically analyze any deal, whether you invest with us or you invest in anything, this framework applies. And, um, and when you understand how multifamily works and, and actually some of the safety and security around it, it makes you feel really good. You got to know it in your bones to feel confident in deploying capital. So, you know, the idea came on the back of just some of our investors, as well as some of my friends who are, who are limited partners in deals saying like, man, I spent months, six, seven, eight months talking to different sponsors and trying to figure out who I should place capital with. And it's really easy to just place capital with people because maybe they have the best marketing. Sure. But each deal is its own thing. So in that deal, does the business plan make sense? 
do the economics make sense and can you justify the business plan? So yeah, that's the whole point of the course. And uh, I'm excited about it because I love, I love real estate. I think everybody should have multifamily in their portfolio. And there's a lot of people who think that, oh, it would be nice to own an apartment complex, but I can't afford that. And the reality of it is they can, they can get access to it in fractional ownership and get the same, if not better returns than they ever could by, you know, buying a single family property and managing it themselves. And I love that because it's, and you even mentioned this to me in the pre-interview call is like, one of the reasons why you feel a security in it as well is that if, if you have one, one unit and the family leaves from that unit, you're hundred percent vacant, where if you have a hundred units, 20 people can leave and you're still doing great, right? You're still crushing it. Yeah. And it's the economics of scale, right? I mean, if you've been a business and you're listening to this podcast, you know what it means to get scale on a business and uh, operational efficiency. And right. so you can really get that with more units because you can have on-site property management, on-site leasing staff, everything's in one place. You can get more scale out of your marketing, right? You can get more scale out of your um, building costs, right? Because you're buying in bulk and doing all those kinds of things. So it's incredibly, incredibly important, especially like when we're talking about something like building costs, you know, lumber's up 240%, steel's up 300%, right? So scale in every way, shape and form in order to make that property just pop. Love that. Well, so where can people gain access to that program as well? I was kind of curious about yeah, so it'll be at passiveinvesting.pro. I put together a masterclass as well as a couple other little nuggets that help you learn a little bit more about multifamily. And if you're interested from there, you can just go ahead and sign up and take the course. Love that. So make sure you go check that out, everybody. So it's passiveinvesting.pro. Uh, make sure you go check that out. It's not.com. It's .pro for those of you who struggle with that. <laughs> <laughs> or if you want to be a professional passive investor, right? Just go to passiveinvesting.pro. Yeah. Love it. So just to wrap this up, Sam, so I just want to ask you one final question. So if you leave one final parting piece of guidance for our audience, what would that be? Man, that's a heavy question. Always. Uh, is. <laughs> you know, what? I, um, for me, I think at the end of the day, what we're all chasing is time and every dollar that I make is future time earned. And so being able to deploy that capital again and create passive income is my main focus and not losing sight of the things that are ultimately important, right? I'm living life right now and being an entrepreneur affords me the opportunity to take my girls to school and pick them up and be a gymnastics and do all the things that life is about living. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, you know, invest your money wisely. Time is money and uh, don't wait to start doing that because one day your business is not going to be there you know, and you got to have other, other ways to create more time freedom for yourself, which is time is money. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Lucky Titan podcast. If you want to fill your favorite platform with dream customers, then come join myself and thousands of others of hosts at theluckytitan.com slash tribe. Here you can find guests for your show, get featured on other shows and discover the secrets to building an audience of raving fans. So once again, go create your free account at theluckytitan.com slash tribe.